Today's scripture reading comes from John 15, 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one is greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from, the, from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in his name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Well, thank you guys for letting me be here and you all joining us this morning for worship. So um, today, we celebrate mothers all around us. As their children, we celebrate the life they gave us and the hard work that they put in uh, to raise us and get us to where we are. As their partners, we celebrate the dedication they have to our families and the childbearing they went through to give us this gift of life. And as their friends, we celebrate the shoulders they give us to cry on. Um, the shoulders that help carry us through just raising these tiny humans that God has gifted us with and entrusted us with um, to put all of our love into. It's such a wonderful celebration for so many reasons. But for me, I don't particularly enjoy Mother's Day. And you guys may be like, wow, don't you have three of them sitting out there? I do, I do. But, so, but when Pastor Reed asked me to give a sermon on Mother's Day, I had a lot of hesitation for that very reason. What could I share with all of you that wouldn't possibly be filled with melancholy? And the reason for that is, just like many others, Mother's Day often reminds me of what I'm lacking in my own mother. However, being a mom is one of the greatest joys and one of the greatest jobs that I get to do. Getting to raise these three tiny humans that God has trusted me with. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. If you say it is, we need to talk. But, but guiding these three little souls that God has placed into my care is one of the most rewarding things I'm ever going to get to do. While my own mother may have left a lot to be desired, she was a genuine pleaser. I remember many times growing up that she would drop everything in a moment's notice, no matter what she was doing, to go and run an errand for someone 
or to take them somewhere, give them clothes, give them money. Anything that she had in that moment she was willing to give, she immediately did so. And while my mother has a naturally loving and giving heart, just at the core of who she is, her unrelenting giving stemmed a lot from her own childhood experiences. Her experiences that left her with the perspective that for someone to love you, for someone to like you, for someone to want to be your friend, you needed to give them something. Her childhood told her that for someone to want to be in your life, a gift needed to be given to them. And while she couldn't see that, it left its mark on me. My mother never really had any friends. Even to this day, any true people that she would call her friends, she's lacking. Now, she has acquaintances, and she's had people who want to talk to her, and it usually stems from wanting to get something from her. And as a result, over the years, I became her friend. And if you don't know, I have a little sister who is about 10 years younger than me. And so a lot of times I spent that time as her friend. I knew every thought, every feeling that my mother had from as long as I can remember, maybe from here on up. And as I grew into my teenage years, although I consciously knew and understood that she was being used for these things from the people that called themselves her friend, my boundaries were still very skewed. So does anybody have a teenager in here? Raise your hand. Yeah. So we all know that teenagers are inherently selfish. <laughs> and it's most likely that you're going to walk into a middle school or a high school and you're gonna hear a quid pro quo, a this for that. It's how the rumor mill gets started, right? Um, I'll tell everyone that you're a little hot to trot if you don't let me copy your homework or cheat on the test. I'll tell your mom you snuck out if you don't let me take your car. The list could go on and on 50,000 miles long, but I think you all get the point. Teenagers are always faced with a giving scenario to try and be liked to try to fit in. They're always challenged to give something of themselves to be loved. And I was no different than any other teenager. I'll save you guys the really long story, but over the years, I have struggled, just like my mother, from giving too much of myself and not really balancing to receive anything in return. And that struggle has included God. We've all heard it, and many of us inside and outside these walls have felt it, that we need to give something to God to be loved by him, to receive the love and pardon of that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We feel like we must give something back. And as mothers, we often find ourselves giving everything for our children at the expense of our own needs. It's what I consider one of the most toxic traits of parenting today, giving too much 
and not balancing for ourselves. We may have a small child we're scared to leave for various reasons. Um, we run to baseball, basketball, dance, football, baton, training lessons, band concerts. Sometimes we spend the entire day at the ballpark. Guilty. <laughs> um, sometimes we spend days, months, weeks searching for a perfect gift or planning the perfect party. Um, we share things with our children that they can't process appropriately and we may not recognize it in that moment. Sometimes we become so ingrained in our children that we begin to lean on them consciously or unconsciously for our own happiness. And sometimes I think that we're so intertwined with our children that we think that they can fill our cups up. And while they certainly have a part in filling that cup up, I'm a pretty straightforward person if you know me, so mama, I have to tell you, your kids aren't your friends. And let's widen that net, right? Parenting and children are not the only things that consume our lives and take away from our balance in life. They're not the only things that we may lean on when we're feeling lost or our cups are empty. I personally do all the things I just shared with you all for my own children, but a lot of times my cup gets empty from saying yes to things I should say no for or working too much. I'm a bit of a workaholic, so if you don't know that, that's your fun fact of Katie for the day. Um, and I think many of us can relate to that. Staying late to work on something extra that your boss is giving you or a peer has asked you to help them with. Um, or as a leader of people, staying late to work on things that we should be delegating out to our teams. Do we have any leaders in here that lead people? Yeah. It's easy to get caught up in trying to do the work yourself instead of delegating so you can focus on some other things. There are so many things that could be taken away from the time that I think we could be spending on ourselves. So recently, I had someone tell me that my children thought I was a hard worker. And that made me smile, and I was filled with some pride for all of two seconds. Because what immediately followed that statement was, you know, sometimes, that's how our kids tell us that we don't have time for them. And even though that stabbed me right in the heart, it was something I really needed to hear. And I reflected on it, and I realized how much I do work. So I have this app on my phone, it's called Lifecycle. It tracks everywhere I am and where I'm going and what I'm doing, and it tells me exactly how many hours I've spent there. So as I started reflecting on this working too much, and I started looking, I had to really think about why do I work so much? And thinking, if my children weren't here, if they were grown, if they were gone out of the house, would I invest this much time into my work? And the answer was yes, I would. 
which then I had to fork off into the other path. If I would spend this much time working, what am I missing for myself? And in today's scripture, Jesus is giving us a command of love. He's talking to his disciples, and all the things I just described, the running to activities, the party planning, the sharing of our time and our gifts with others, they're all loving actions. But I question how much of them are really loving actions. We focus a lot on the command of love, as we should. It's so important that the phrase, love one another, is repeated three times since John chapter 13. Two of those times in our scripture alone today. And as humans, we have all failed to love someone as we should. And that failure to love someone, no matter what it looks like, whether it was us getting snippy with a coworker or yelling at our kids this morning, those moments of failure for us can intensify that feeling I mentioned earlier, that we haven't given God or Jesus what is needed to be loved by him. But looking at verses 14 and 15 a little harder, I realize something different. So let's read them again. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You see, I know that love is the forefront of what Jesus wants us to do, what we are called to give. But what really speaks to me in this passage is the fact that Jesus has just elevated all of us, each and every one of us. We are his equals. I no longer call you servants. I have called you friends. And I think that's important for us to remember. In the previous two chapters of John, Jesus has just predicted Peter's denial and Judas's betrayal. And there, he just revealed the greatest secret of all time to his disciples. Even the two disciples that are going to fail him and not love him. We share our secrets with our friends, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Even though Peter was going to deny him and Judas was going to betray him, he still called them a friend. He still included them in that sacrifice. He told them he was going to die for them, but he didn't ask anything in return. He was just giving them this gift. And although verse 14 seems to just be that command of love, I think it's something more. Jesus is calling us this friend, and this is telling us how the world knows that we are a friend of Jesus, by loving. And not only loving others, but ourselves as well. Ourselves as a person, as a wife, as a husband, as a mother, as a father, as a friend, as a worker. He is calling us to love ourselves in all of these things. And it's not been too long since I really accepted loving myself 
And I don't mean loving myself as in who I am or what I look like, the color of my hair, although I do love the color of my hair in case you guys are wondering. Um, but rather taking actions to love myself. Because love, although we use it as a feeling most often, it is a verb. And that verb translates right back into us, taking action to love ourselves. So for me, taking that time for myself, allowing myself to spend time with my friends without feeling guilty that I wasn't at home with my children or husband, um, or feeling guilty that I would be late to one of their games, or that I wasn't spending that extra time at my desk at work. Just about a month ago, I had someone ask me to take a project on for them, and could I help them finish it? And the amount of guilt I felt saying no was tremendous. But it's a good step. So I shared something not too long ago on social media about friendship and our children. And I want to share that with all of you here today. Some of the things that our children learn from us is how to be a friend. What friendship looks like, and most importantly, I think, how to love themselves and others. And we've all heard the term, spare the rod, spoil the child. Sometimes that rod is saying no. I know we all picture this giant rod that we need to take out every time our kids are misbehaving, but sometimes that rod is just simple. And sometimes that's the best way to love not only our children, but our coworkers, our friends, our families, and ourselves. Our children and anyone looking at us, anyone within our circle of influence, are going to learn friendship from us. Deep and meaningful friendships from the adults and the peers in their lives. What are we teaching them about friendship, about self-love, and our boundaries if we can't allow our children to be away from us for three hours or a weekend? What are we teaching them if we can't miss a game or a performance? Our children, and even some adults in our lives, begin to feel like the world revolves around them. And we begin to lose touch with our own friends, our own love, and ourselves. We risk making isolation look good and easy. If mom never hangs out with anyone, it must be easy to be alone. If Katie spends all this time working and at her desk, it must be easy to work all the time. But it's not. And I will call myself a liar if I ever say it's easy. We weren't made to be alone. We were made to have those deep connections with each other and be surrounded by people. And I want you to take that to heart because that is coming from a true introvert. <laughs> but people help us thrive. And we see Jesus say no a lot, and he always does so from a place of love. We never think Jesus is being mean when he says no. And I can't help but wonder, if my own mother had said no, would she have found some true friends to be able to lean on? Um, would she have a different path than the path she's had today? But the command to love did not translate into loving herself. And by not allowing that and not seeing how 
very perfect that God had already created her, it created quite the hardship for her throughout the years. And if we think about the great commandment, which is love one another as you would love yourself, can each of us really say that we'd be willing to love others as we love ourselves? Do we truly love ourselves as God has called us to? Jesus has elevated us to a friend with this one command, which is arguably the hardest one to obey, especially self-love. But I want to leave you with this. Obedience to his command isn't what makes us a friend of Jesus. It's what characterizes a friend of Jesus. Is your love 360 degrees? Does it include yourself? Would Jesus call you a friend based on that? So this week, take some time to evaluate your self-love. Take some time for you. Call your friend for coffee or just to talk. Shut down at work and go for a walk. Do something you enjoy. Spend some time with the best friend you will ever have. Hint, his name starts with a J. We need that friend especially to fill up our self-love cups. Even if you're not a parent, someone out there is learning from you, whether you know it or not. Let's show not only our children, but the world that we are friends of Jesus. And then I believe we can truly love others as we love ourselves. So let us pray. Heavenly and gracious Father, thank you for this day you have given us to celebrate our mothers and others throughout the world. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so graciously and making us perfect. And help us remember every day that we are beloved by you and made in your image. Help us all go out into the world and remember that loving ourselves is the first step in being able to love others and show the world who you are. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.